0: Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com Alright, I've already said hello, but I'll say it again. Hello. Hello. How's it? Um, yeah, so... Um, it's been awesome being able to preach to you all, um, it's been a massive learning curve for me actually, um, so thanks actually for giving me the opportunity to. Um, this week and I think next week um, I'm, I'm down and, and we've been talking about this series um, called New Creation. Murray's quite cleverly found words that start with P <laughs> for every single week. <laughs> Um, And so I have had the task of also trying to carry on that um, pattern. Um, I came up with two. Um, So this week we're going to talk about new creation perspective. Um, And I think next week, new creation people, right? (laughs) Clever, eh? Wow. (laughs) Um, Sermons, I've always seen them as something to share to get us all thinking. To get us all thinking about our place in this world, our calling, and what we are called to do here, and I, I hope that they start discussions amongst us as God's people. That they get us thinking, get us talking about things. And today, um, you know, is no different. I, I hope it starts a discussion. Um, I want you to turn with me to Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. I'll just read it out. I don't have it on the screen, unfortunately, but you've no doubt got it nearby. From verse 18, it says, What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that God will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't, we don't need to hope for it. But we look forward to something we don't yet have. Oh, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Now I shared this passage because it actually gives us an incredibly important insight into the perspective that Paul and the early church lived by. The perspective which enabled him to say things like that passage. It shows us how they saw the world, and the world around them and their place and purpose within it. It shows us a perspective that enabled them to live within the reality of this world, of suffering, of brokenness, with things not being as they ought to be, but to nonetheless hold on to the hope that they were being made new. But more than that, it gave them a hope to start working towards from within their current situation, where one day this sense of brokenness, this pain, this suffering, this sickness, injustice, things that we all might know ourselves, would actually one day be entirely gone for good from within them and from the world around them. For them, the hopeful thing that Jesus had gone through with his death and with his resurrection was that now something had, something, was now something being done within them and their community, and it was something that motivated them to engage with the world around them and to work towards it becoming a fuller reality. This perspective is what Paul himself calls new creation. That's why we've called it new creation. And today, as the church today, I want us to consider our own perspectives of the world. How do we see it? How do we see our place living here? What is our calling when we consider we are God's ambassadors? Are we similar to Paul in the early church? Do words like renewal, resurrection, restoration, do these kinds of words define the hope that we hold to? Do these shape our perspective when we look at ourselves and when we look at the world around us? It's important for us to consider all this because the Because the way we see things, our perspective deeply shapes the way we go about our lives. Our perspective comes out in our behaviours, in our choices and in our attitudes, and this matters. I mean, I've been thinking about this. I've been raised with a perspective that pineapple on pizza, otherwise known as the Hawaiian pizza, as an incredibly tasty meal. (laughs) The story that I live out of was that the flavor of pizza that my parents would choose growing up when we'd go out and have takeaways as a special treat would always be Hawaiian pizza. And so deeply ingrained into my worldview on life is that the Hawaiian pizza is in fact a fantastic thing. If I were to make a pizza, I would make sure that I would buy a can of pineapple, along with the cheese and the ham. If I were ordering pizza for some friends, I would order a Hawaiian. Of course you would. Where I come from, Hawaiian pizza is a good thing to strive towards. But as I have got to, as I've grown, I suppose, as I've got to know my own wife, and as I've, as I've got to know some more people, um, Mark and Juliet Shaw in particular, um, I have realised that not everyone actually holds to the same perspective, <laughs> and it causes them to behave quite differently. When it, instead of striving towards it, they just shudder at the thought of it. I look at it and see the ham and the pineapple and the cheese. And, right? Murray's a Hawaiian pizza, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Our perspectives, even on massively important things like pizza, shape us and motivate us to live and behave differently. Another example is, you know, the idea of sitting on tables. Where I come from, the perspective is, ah, it's not a big deal, right? But for many of you here, it's just a no-no, absolutely not. You do not sit on tables. There are deep spiritual, social, cultural, hygienic, obviously, reasons as to why not. Perspective shapes our actions and the way we go about our lives. These issues I've just raised are small. They're not, you know, well, no, they're not small. They're important, but, but they, re- they affect the way we go about our lives. They shape the way we live. But here's the thing. When we come to know God, we are increasingly being opened to a new perspective. And it is supposed to deeply reorientate the way we go about our lives in this world. It doesn't necessarily replace everything about the way we had seen things, but it definitely informs us and it shifts us for life today. And we have to be willing to allow God to do this. Paul himself was literally out, Paul who wrote Romans 8, he was out trying to round up Christians, to put them in prison. From his perspective, they were the bad guys. They were out blaspheming God. He wanted to do away with them. But then God suddenly did something in his life that changed his perspective. Those he was trying to get rid of suddenly became his brothers and sisters in Christ. They were out, in fact, doing the very will of God. Everything about Paul's life changed, if you know the story. So perspective matters. It utterly informs and it shapes our lives. So what kind of perspectives do we live with today? It might be worth considering that for yourself. What story do we live out of? As Christians today, do we identify with this perspective that Paul shares to us at Romans 8? Do we live our lives out of a perspective that is formed by the Bible, the biblical story? It's worth time spent on that, I imagine. But we can at least get the ball rolling now when we just start to consider the perspective the Bible brings and portrays to us. Quite simply, it begins with a beginning. God created all these, this incredible world. God created things, and he deems it as good. We are in that. We are a part of that. We are given purpose within it to be like him, and to care for it all, and to keep it good, as he intended. As we know, the story goes on. Things go wrong. We decide to go our own way. It somehow corrupts, it takes things and twists them out of shape. It ruins God's creation. Suddenly there's suffering, there's brokenness, there's chaos. Darkness and death show up on the scene, and they they touch on everything. And when we look at the world today, it doesn't take much of a stretch to see that in our own lives and in the world around us. There's a sense that things are not as they ought to be. But then the story gets better because God does something about it, doesn't he? What does he do? Mm. Does he leave it all to it and just say, "Ah, oh, hopeless"? Off you go. Does he throw out a lifeline and just sort of allow a few people just to jump on whilst leaving the rest of the place just to go to the trash? No. God begins what is called a mission not to abandon or dish out retribution or something like that, but to bring restoration, to bring it to the whole creation which of course includes us, the ones who caused the problem in the first place. This is the story that the Bible is on about. This is the perspective it brings. That's why John is able to say and sum it all up in that well, well-known verse, John 3.16, when he says, that God so loved the world, that word the world in the Greek is cosmos. We know what cosmos is. Everything. That he sent his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. A new kind of life. Then he carries on and says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world or the cosmos, but to save it through him. You see, many of us would say that God sent Jesus to die for my sins, your sins. Some of us would say that he satisfied the wrath of God, that he took the punishment of sin and that now we're off the hook. Phew, thank goodness. That's, that's sure, that's there, but it's only actually part of the picture. Yes, on him, all sin and suffering and brokenness, all of it was put onto him. He took it on. He took on the death on the cross. But most crucially... Most crucially, he rose above it. He defeated it. He overcame the hold that it had had on us and on this world. He brought about the otherwise impossibility of resurrection, of new life and of new creation. As Paul speaks of himself. He brought hope for the whole world which was otherwise faced with utter hopelessness. This this eternal life or this new life promised through Jesus was not some individualistic thing so that we can just, you know, be sorted out ourselves and go, you know, live somewhere better. It was in fact to re- affect us all, and to restore us and to our place and purpose in this world. It was to affect us and all life around us. It was to affect all creation. Because as we read on in the Bible, we are given a picture of where this is heading. Murray painted the picture for us last week when he unpacked Revelation 21 for us. He talked about this place, this world, this creation of there being no more sin, no more suffering, of God living amongst us personally, of things being renewed, of a renewed people within. The picture actually carries on over the page at Revelation chapter 22, where it tells us of, this, of a river with, with the water of life. It talks about it being as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. Down the main street, it says. On each side there's tree of life, bearing crops of fruit, With a fresh crop each month it says, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations, to heal the world. There's no longer a curse on anything in this picture. This all is very hard for us to fathom. But it's nonetheless, it's a picture with great imagery that points us towards a hope of creation being restored and renewed. It's a picture like that of the Garden of Eden. Some of your Bibles might actually call that section at the top of Revelation 22, Eden Restored, it might say that. It's a picture of what was at the beginning now being restored. It's a picture of God's world being made new. And it's through that lens and that perspective that Paul and the early church lived out their lives. That although things were wrong in the world, that life was unfair, that life was full of hurt, God was actually at work within them, in them and through them, to revive. This is why in Romans 8, as I read at the beginning, Paul can speak of hope for all creation, because he looked forwards to a time where he and it would be released from the brokenness from that decay to be made new to be resurrected this is the perspective that enabled Paul to say things like he does elsewhere at places like 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 he's able to talk like this through this perspective that although we are are pressed down on every side by troubles we are not crushed we are perplexed but not driven to despair We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in us. He goes on. He says, this is why we never give up. Though our outer selves are wasting away, our inner selves are being renewed day day. By day. For Paul there is a sense of optimism and hope about life in this world. It's a good thing, right? Despite the hard blows he was dealt with, he was dealt. Why? How did he have this optimism? How did he have this hope? Because in his perspective Although in his current state, he faced brokenness, we face brokenness and struggles. Our inner selves are being made new. And so later on, he then goes on to say, and calls calls us all to fix our eyes on this reality and to live it out from that perspective. He looks ahead to what is coming, new life, new creation. These are some of the terms used. And how this work is, in fact, already at play. This is the perspective from which he lived his life. That although things were difficult, unfair, not as they ought to be, he could nonetheless see the restorative work of God in him and around him. Perhaps at times it was only barely visible, perhaps it was slow going. It certainly was not in its fullness. But it was still enough to motivate him, to give him hope, to keep at his calling, and to carry on engaging with this world, to not give up on it, despite all the the hardship he was facing. Because for him, God's promise of renewal was worth working towards. Over the page from 2 Corinthians 4, we come to... 2 Corinthians 5, as you'd expect. And that's where we find that famous saying that I know Murray has mentioned quite a number of times, that if anyone is in Christ, Paul says, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. In the Greek, it's more like this. It's more like Paul saying this. Anyone who is in Christ, new creation. It's as if Paul's just looking around at the world through his perspective, and can just see the signs and signals everywhere of newness. New creation here, new creation there. Breaking out into this world and it motivates him, him and the church, to work towards it. This is a perspective of huge optimism and hope for life and living here and now. The question is, do we live by this same form of perspective? Do we have that same optimism? Something to think about. I ask this because we we are all hurting. We all face difficulties, suffering. We're in the midst of brokenness. Of course we are. We face trials on many sides, like Paul said. We're wronged. We're treated unfairly. We're sick, we're let down, we're disrespected, we're damaged. And it's easy and understandable from that perspective, in that place, that we just want to give up on all of this, that we want to sort of turn around and throw some curse words at the world. We want to get out of this place. What's that song? We want to get out of this place.. If it's the last thing you we know. do, we want to do. We want to get out of here in the midst of all this suffering. We want God to come and get us out of the sinking ship. There's this philosopher from back and way back called Plato, and we may not be aware of it, but he actually had a huge influence on the way we all think. Um, he built up this perspective where our idea of salvation was an escape from this world. That we are saved not as a part of this world, but saved from this world. This world is the problem, he said. And we've got to get out of this place if it's the last thing we ever do. And it's through this perspective that it's so easy for us to just see the brokenness around us and the stuff that's wrong in our society, the hurtful stuff and whatever else, and just say, whatever. Get me out of here. From this perspective, it's easy for us to just see the world as it is and just keep to ourselves and just say, we're going to have nothing to do with this place. From this perspective, it's easy for us to just be critical and judgmental of everything that's wrong, to focus on the negative and hold out hope that God's just going to do away with it all. And as much as that can be understandable, it's not really the kind of perspective that portrays hope, let alone good news, to the whole cosmos, to the world. I have lived from these kinds of perspectives towards the world around me, But what I've come to realize about God, in fact, the very thing I'm so grateful to him about, is that he does not have that kind of perspective towards me. He has not abandoned me. He hasn't given up on me when I had everything wrong with me. He hasn't been critically negative of me. He does not view me and the rest of the world in this way whatsoever. He is loving, he is embracing and engaging with me. Warts and all. It's a terrible saying, that actually, warts and all. If I'm completely honest, my life with him since I have come to him has been a slow and steady restorative work in his hands. Where like an artist, he has been chipping away at my whole being. In the words of Paul, Ephesians 2, verse 10, he talks about this too. He says that we're like his masterpiece, like his artwork. He is creating us anew through Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This is the perspective through which God views you and me and in fact the world around us. And it's the same perspective that Paul and the early church lived by too. They were motivated by the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that death and sin had been conquered and that new creation was now on the horizon and in fact breaking in in his own heart. And as Paul points out in Romans 8, the spirit within them gave them a foretaste of things yet to come, even in the midst of their trials. For them there was the sense of, that they were a part of the mission of God to bring fruition and renewed and restoration, renewal and restoration to their creation. It motivated them to be a part of this world and to engage it for God's good purposes. And if you think about it, if you know your history at all, if you look through the the centuries perhaps before us, it's Christians and the church who have so often been at the forefront of renewal and restoration in our world. They haven't had that attitude of, (laughs) whatever. In so many areas, think about education, healthcare, medical advances, even science, technology, uh, law, justice. Christians have been so often the ones doing the work of setting things right in our world, of bringing newness to this world. And that's why I believe that here at HBC or Huntley Baptist, we do things like Jeremy, Cap debt, Mark, Cap Release. We do these things because we are motivated to bring newness found in Jesus to the world around us, to bring people out from being consumed and clouded by debt, by addictions, into new life. It's so easy for us all to just get a little bit critical of the world and to retreat from it with pessimism and negativity. We can live from that perspective, but it's not the way to go. It's not the perspective from which the Bible calls us to live. It's not the perspective that Paul in the early church lived out. We are called to engage in this world with hope because God engages us and is at work in us and in this world to make things new. The question to ask ourselves, is this the kind of hope-filled perspective we live out of today? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptistatextra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com